WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to The Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts Chelsea Boudou and Daniel Puentes. Millions of cases of SARS-CoV-2 have occurred since 2019. Though there are vaccines being distributed, not everyone is vaccinated yet. Public health facilities are being exhausted and are at capacity in some areas of the world. Today we're here with Birshan Miani, Liang Zhao, and Maddie Spooner to talk about their research on how wastewater could predict the increase in SARS-CoV-2 cases. May you all please introduce yourself? My name is Birshan Miani. I'm a third-year PhD student under Dr. Irene Zagoralaki in Michigan State University. Our research focuses on using wastewater as a way to predict increase in the SARS-CoV-2 cases. My name is Liang Zhao. I'm a first-year PhD student in environmental engineering under Dr. Irene Zagoralaki at MSU. My name is Maddie Spooner. I am a first-year master's student in environmental engineering. Thank you all for joining us this morning to talk about this really important topic. One thing that comes to mind right away is why are you studying wastewater for SARS-CoV-2 presence? So the reason we are monitoring wastewater is, let's say, for example, a person gets infected with SARS-CoV-2. So as soon as he's infected within the first few days, which is like one or two days, he or she starts emanating SARS-CoV-2 from his body or bodily fluids. It can be saliva, urine, fecal matter, basically all the bodily fluids. And everything ends up in wastewater. But the person actually shows symptoms on 8th or 10th day. So by monitoring wastewater, we can predict well in advance whether the cases are going to increase or not. So the measure we used uh, is termed as uh, wastewater-based epidemiology. This is actually equivalent to obtaining and analyzing community-based urine and fecal sample as what Bridget talked about. We collect the wastewater from a large urban area and we analyze it through many experimental procedures and finally being able to identify SARS-CoV-2 from those wastewater samples. And then we link to the quantification of SARS-CoV-2 in wastewater to the clinical cases of COVID-19 patients then we've been able to monitor and predict future outbreak conditions. That's a really good point. So basically, instead of monitoring each and every individual person, which will of course take so much time and resources, we can, as Liang said, take wastewater like a community sample where you can only monitor wastewater and you would be able to know the entire population's status of their health. I think that's a wonderful idea, and it's pretty cost-effective and time-effective. Instead of having to test the entire population, you can just sample that wastewater and then have an idea about the health status of the community. Do all of you go to gather the samples, or do each of you have different roles within the laboratory? In the beginning, we were gathering the samples, but once we started gathering more we contracted that out to a third party and they send us the samples after they've collected them and they're transported here on a truck and coolers and a bunch of jars and we take them in and we pH them to a certain level and then we do a virus illusion which is when we spin them down the samples and we collect all the viruses through varying its pH 
And then we end up with a really small 1.5 milliliter vial, which is then taken for PCR. We use a filter, electropositive or negative filter, to collect the virus from wastewater. We will then do RNA extraction to extract the SARS-CoV-2 RNA or COVID-19 RNA from the virus solution samples. And those samples will then be transferred to a region to do qPCR. And qPCR is to identify and quantify COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 in the wastewater samples. How it starts is, as Liang said, we use an electropositive membrane, also known as nanoserum filter. So we have kind of a pump apparatus that the reason why our method is good is because unlike other labs, we concentrate a large volume of water into a small volume so that we can capture more efficiently all the viruses that are there in the wastewater. And the way we do is we pass almost 35 to 50 liters of wastewater through an electropositive filter or membrane. And then all the viruses are stuck outside the membrane. And as Medi and Liang said, that those samples, those electropositive membrane samples are shipped to our lab. The next day, what we do is now we reverse the flow of a higher affinity liquid through the membranes. So, for example, the pump water is passed from outside to inside the membrane, which means all the viruses are stuck outside the membrane. But then we prepare a beef extract solution, which is known to have a higher affinity for viruses. And now we pass this liquid from inside the membrane to outside the membrane with a contact time of two minutes. So this process allows all the viruses that are stuck outside the membrane to flow into the beef extract solution. It sounds like a really complicated process, and it makes sense why you would need at least three researchers working on such a complex project. I'm curious about some of the methods that you told us about. For instance, why are you varying the pH in these solutions, and what is the difference between PCR and qPCR? We vary the pH because we put the solutions into a centrifuge, which is a machine that spins, which brings the particles to the bottom and leaves the viruses in the supernatant, which is the liquid at the top. We are then able to pour the supernatant into a separate container and extract the viruses from that. The pH is varied because the viruses are sensitive to it, so they stay in the particles when you're at a lower pH, and then we raise the pH so that they stay in the supernatant, so they're able to be poured out of our samples. After we finish virus solution, we extract SARS-CoV-2 RNA from the samples, and the SARS-CoV-2 RNA is amplified using a technique known as quantitative polymerase chain reaction, which is also shortly known as qPCR. And then the final, this gives us the quantity of SARS-CoV-2 genome copies per liter from our samples. So in that way, every week when we receive samples, the final product is the quantity of SARS-CoV-2 in terms of genome copies per liter in wastewater. So every week we basically know how much quantity of SARS-CoV-2 is there in wastewater using qPCR and that's how we can know whether the SARS-CoV-2 increases or decreases in wastewater. Thanks for that explanation. I recall that Maddie had mentioned that samples are being sent to you all from Detroit. 
Is there a particular reason why you're gathering samples from Detroit instead of here in Lansing, Michigan, where you're all located for your research? The reason we collect wastewater from Detroit is we worked with uh, Detroit Wastewater Treatment Plant, which is one of the largest wastewater treatment plants in the U.S. And they have a huge amount of wastewater that we can collect it from. And the technology we use is termed as wastewater-based epidemiology. So this is actually requires a large urban area for potential public health monitoring because the filter we use for virus solution requires a large quantity of wastewater to pass through. Then we are able to identify the viruses from the wastewater. And then we can also correlate to the high population that Detroit has. In other words, they have a large population that could be monitored for potential public health outbreak. And also because Detroit has increasing COVID-19 patients, in other words, there are many excretes from humans, those COVID-19 patients, into wastewater, then those are very good samples that we can analyze. That makes a lot of sense now that you're explaining it on why you would want to take the wastewater from Detroit. More wastewater just means more statistics and it gives you a lot more validation for these methods that you're testing here in your laboratory at Michigan State. The metropolitan Detroit area is a pretty large area, Then it consists of multiple counties. Are you only collecting data from, for example, the city of Detroit in downtown, or are you collecting data from other counties nearby? So we have been collecting samples from Detroit wastewater plant since 2017, and we sample from three different interceptors in Detroit wastewater plant. Interceptors are basically large kind of pumps in the wastewater treatment plant where the wastewater comes from all the different neighborhoods or counties and everything is collected and is received in those interceptors. So there are three different interceptors in Detroit wastewater plant which collect wastewater from Oakland, Wayne, Macomb County and city of Detroit. It's wonderful that you're able to test the wastewater in these various counties for SARS-CoV-2. Are you able to apply this method to other viruses as well? For example, do people also test the wastewater to detect other pathogens? As I said, we have been collecting samples since 2017. The final product of our research is going to be, we are going to develop two different models. So one is tracking any viral outbreak that goes on in the community beforehand. And then another model that we are developing is trying to screen a bunch of viruses from wastewater so that we can help public health department and we can tell them that these are all the different kinds of viruses that we are able to find in wastewater. And this includes human herpes virus, all the nine types of human herpes viruses which was actually my first paper, and then hepatitis, which was my senior Camille McCall's thesis. She was also a PhD student. And there were many other viruses like coronaviruses, common flu, human herpes viruses, etc. can be replicated to any viral outbreak as long as we are able to detect that from wastewater. It's great to hear that this has been established already for other viruses out there that exist and can be found in the wastewater. But even if the SARS-CoV-2 is found in the wastewater, what does that necessarily mean for how public health officials will react? Or how does that affect the counties that these detections are coming from? 
In our current project, as just we talked about, we collect wastewater from the wastewater treatment plant, and we successfully detected SARS-CoV-2 from all the samples, so 100% detected. And then we also found the quantification of SARS-CoV-2 in each wastewater. Then we were able to picture the SARS-CoV-2 concentration in wastewater in the past few months. And then we linked that to the clinical cases reported in hospitals. And then we found the peak of the SARS-CoV-2 concentration in wastewater that we observe is approximately four weeks peer to the reported public available clinical data. So in this way, this four weeks period can be used as an early warning time for public health officials and the relative agencies to protect public health. An increase in SARS-CoV-2 in wastewater doesn't necessarily mean that the number of SARS-CoV-2 cases are going to increase in, as Liang said, in two weeks to four weeks. Just because we need to normalize the quantity of SARS-CoV-2 with population. Like what if more people came due to some holidays like Christmas or New Year's into that particular area? That which means more wastewater is being pumped into one of the interceptors in wastewater plant and more SARS-CoV-2 is being excreted by those additional few number of people. So that's why we also do another experiment where we extract commonly found human chemicals which is creatinine and HIA. So those are the commonly excreted human chemicals which are excreted from human body and ends up in wastewater. So that when we quantify those chemicals, we know for sure that these are the amount of people that are contributing wastewater to that particular plant. So this is how we get a rough estimate of the number of people actually contributing into the particular wastewater plant. And that's how we normalize our SARS-CoV-2 genomic copies per liter. The quantification of creatinine and HIAs, what we call quantification of biomarkers, so this way we can estimate, and this way the wastewater can be used as a method of estimating population in the whole area. So the biomarkers are substances that are excreted by humans in the wastewater. We're nearing the end of our episode, but before we go, I really wanted to know, what is it like performing research on SARS-CoV-2 samples? For example, what kind of precautionary measures is your laboratory taking? We take a lot of precautionary measures in our lab. It's actually really interesting to be on the forefront of such new laboratory procedures. And we always make sure we wear full PPE. We wear gowns, our lab coats, gloves, and face shields at all times. And we're constantly disinfecting the all surfaces daily. And it's really interesting to know that we're handling COVID and while we take the proper precautions, we aren't at risk. And it's nice to see the PPE really working and to know that it does its job. Well, that's really awesome to hear. I'm glad that there's a lot of confidence in the equipment that you're using to protect yourselves whenever you're working with this virus. SARS-CoV-2 has been known to linger on surfaces after exposure. I'm just curious about how do you sanitize the surrounding laboratory area once you've been finished working with your samples? And how do you dispose of your samples after? When we clean our surfaces, we make sure we use the approved Enviroside solution and we spray them down after they've had any contact and then at the beginning and end of every day. And when we dispose of our materials we've used, like the paper towels and syringes and pipettes, 
We put all of our biohazardous waste into the autoclave, which uses high pressure and steam and heat to sterilize and kill everything. So our both laboratories are biosafety level two laboratories. Since we are only doing qPCR or polymerase chain reaction and virus solution, BSL2 lab is sufficient. Thanks for clarifying, Abrijan. We've had people on the Sci-Files talk about their work in different tiers of BSL, from BSL 1, 2, and 3. Thank you everyone for talking to Daniel and I today about your wonderful research on testing wastewater in Detroit for SARS-CoV-2. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. To hear more about us and learn more about our episodes, check out SciFiles.org. If you're a current MSU student that would like to be interviewed, please reach out to us at SciFiles at Impact89FM.org. We'll catch you next week on the SciFiles, and remember, the truth is in the science. <laughs>